From the modern day post-808s and heartbreaks. Turn up the lights in here, baby. Extra bright, I want you all to see this. Turn up the lights in here, baby. You know what I need? I want you to see everything. I want you to see all the lights. Some call him Jesus. Some call him Pastor. But this is called security today. tried so hard when I was reading that to not just sing it. It's coursing through my veins. What am I supposed to do? But wait until the introduction is done and then give you a little taste, all right? Welcome to Security Today, episode frickin' five and uh, season one. I'm the security industry's coolest uncle, best Rihanna impersonator, Uncle Bear, that's B-A-E-R. Go ahead, follow me right now on Instagram and Twitter at Uncle B-A-E-R underscore, and then this podcast on Instagram at Security Today Podcast. Now let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Clearly, lighting. Lighting is the single greatest deterrent in crime prevention. Cutting crime at night by a whopping 39%, which is a huge number in crime statistics, so go ahead, let your jaw just drop a little bit and be like... Wow, I didn't know that. Designing lighting into your security pitch is also something we're going to talk about today because of how well it deters crime, which is what we're all here to do. And we're going to look at a fairly new feature from Alarm.com's platform of deploying security lighting. We will also go over several different types of light sources and implementations from the as-is book Physical Security Principles, and you're going to walk away from this enlightened. Did <laughs> it? But first, our sponsor this week, EnterpriseCC.com. Guys, I got a DM. You didn't see that coming, did you? It wasn't a DM, it was a text because we know each other. But failure to communicate is not an option. So Enterprise Communication and Consultants is a communication, security, and life safety company. They provide services across North America, primarily focusing on apartment and multi-tenant high-rise buildings, from voice, data, life safety, access control, surveillance, audio and video services. They are your single point of contact for any design, build, or maintenance need. Pause this podcast right now, and not right then, but after I'm done saying this, go to Instagram, follow them at EnterpriseCC, and then tell them that you heard of them here. They are legit. They are too legit to quit. They invented the gold standard. Go look at them and be like, wow, man, that's totally cool. I'm glad I got the follow out of it. All right, let's chit-chat a little bit. According to researchers, I want to talk about this. Laser pointers can be used to inject malicious commands into popular voice assistants, such as Alexa, Google, or Siri. You might have heard of this. I think I've even mentioned it on a podcast before here, but you're going to have to go back and listen. Um, but I was, I was amazed by this. I saw this article the other day, and I was like, wait, a laser pointer? was injecting malicious commands? Like, what do you mean? So I looked into it. This vulnerability can lead to smart doors like being unlocked, unwanted purchases being made, and pretty much anything else that a smart speaker or voice assistant can do. The way that they do this, if you go over to, um, I believe it was in SSI, they had a video or they had a link to a video that kind of showed exactly how it worked, but 
The researchers explained that microphones convert sounds into electrical signals. And inside the microphone is a small little plate called a diaphragm. Um, if you're anywhere from the audio visual side or, or you're studying for CTS or something like that, which I did, then um, you know that that little diaphragm moves back and forth. It converts it into electrical signal and then it outputs it. And that's why we hear the waves, bro, the waves. So sound causes this diaphragm to move, which it results in electrical signals, but so does a laser pointer. And they can point it at it and shoot the right wave and get it to move in a way that they can say, Siri, unlock the doors and give me your life. And then it unlocks the door. So if you have an Alexa, Google, or Siri, first of all, throw it in the trash because you're literally letting the um, big data devils into your house. But if you're going to keep it around, cool. Don't put it by a window or some guy with a laser pointer is going to come up, or girl, hey, <laughs> or girl, and get into your house and take your dog or cat. I'm not, I'm, I'm equal there too. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. Go ahead, give it a look. Now, let's get into it. Lighting. Let's eat dessert first, shall we? Okay, we're all adults here. Give me the ice cream. POE lighting. <laughs> Anything like Raytech, Illuminar, New Optic, it's these POE lighting sources that are being put out. Now, electricians are getting hand out of the low-voltage job. And that is because you have to call them to come and put your 120 in. If you want a light there and it ain't there, and you don't want to cheat, you call an electrician or die. You call an electrician. But with POE lighting, ugh, it's getting a little sticky around the union, if you know what I mean. So they have these things for POE lighting. And it can, it can come from a POE source and you can put lights in. It's not just like your little light strip that you put in your closet when you were eight. I'm talking about actual lighting. So IPVM posted a wonderful breakdown of how um, POE lighting is coming into the future. If you haven't heard of IPVM, go to IPVM.com, buy a membership. It's totally worth it. But when a common 60-watt bulb is replaced by an LED, it draws 17% less power approximately. They said, consider that IEEE 802.3AF is a spec is spec to supply between 12 watts to 15.4 watts to devices. This means that a 60 watt LED equivalent bulb is now using 9.5 watts and can easily be powered by a single port. And multiple bulbs may be controlled from a single PoE supply channel, such as a common 2 or 3 5 watt outdoor floodlight. This changes the flexibility and insurance that lighting can now be a part of every security job because most security companies don't have a full-time electrician on board. They contract that out. It's smarter in the long run, but now if you want to add lighting, it doesn't take all that long to get that lighting now added in. You're cutting time for the customer. You're cutting time for yourself of getting a contractor out there to pull wire and set it all up and finding a contractor that is up to your standard. You're also putting more money in your hand because they can buy the lights from you. The electrician is really no longer a hoop, and it cuts that time and puts more money in your hands. Now listen, I'm here to pump physical security. And I know many electricians who are really good at their job, and they do really good work. And in most cases, if I had time and a bid, I would probably bid it. If it was a smaller job or if it was something that I th on site of a job that was already implemented and I thought that they needed lighting in some place, then I'm probably going to go with the POE lighting. 
In fact, if I go with it and it's easy and I like that I can put it where I want it, it might just be PoE from here on out. But it really changes the game. Security lighting um, kind of does several things when you're on that site. So it's really important that I get to choose what those things are. Being a professional and being well-studied and mastering my craft of the security design, I don't expect the electrician to know that or the general contractor who's just bidding the job and wanting a security system in place. Security lighting does several things. Let's talk about it. It gives greater light for cameras to see at a farther distance. So you're already putting more light on site, which means that the cameras that you've put in place are now being more effective. So literally, by putting light onto your security site, into your security design, you're already making it more effective. And that's not even to say the 40% of crime deterrent at night. I'm telling you, this is the shit. Look, it hits two points in the four Ds of security. It deters and it detects, okay? And there's some argument to the fact that it may deny, too, because of how you can use it. We'll get to that later. But when you're able to deter and detect out of one device, and it's, that's probably playing into the 40% of the overall deterrence, and it's putting more money in your hand, and you're getting to put, where, put it where you want it because you want it to be the most effective, and it's helping your cameras out, and finally, it's helping your people's mindset out, which is the final um, thing that security lighting comes in and you know changes. The, the reason that you want to put it in because it starts to build confidence and bring comfort and ease of mind to your customer, which is really the major goal of implementation. And maybe we'll have a kind of bigger um, dissection of this on another podcast, but your customer's mindset is really the thing that you're fighting for. If you put something in, if you implement a security system or a fire system or a life safety or something like that, when you leave that site, you want your customer to literally feel different. They need to feel different. That's the whole reason you're putting it in. Not just because you want to deter that crime for 40%, but really, they called you. So this is a transaction for them, with them. It wasn't You weren't called by the guy who broke in and said, hey, this didn't work, and now you're here to fix it. You're called for the person who either got broken into or was um, thinking of the future and wanted to secure, and when you leave, you need them to feel more secure. Lighting is an excellent way to do that. Now, I want to talk about a recent feature in Alarm.com with their integration of uh, Leviton lighting products. So this is an absolute genius move, and really, it's ahead of its time for when it comes to resi security. Okay, so... Commercial security for a long time, lighting implementation has been something that we put in. It's a little harder to do when you get on the resi side. Number one, because you're usually contracting a electrician to come out and run in a home. And number two, because it just hasn't been a focal point of security systems. You think, I need cameras on my house, or I need a little keypad to arm my doors and my windows and all this. But to think of adding lighting to your security system is a little ahead of its time and it blew my mind when I saw it. So they have you able to set a motion analytic in alarm.com. It lets you go through a camera for okay, so your camera is now integrated into alarm.com and now your lighting is integrated into alarm.com. So from a camera, let's say on your back porch, you're able to draw an analytic box, exclude the bushes, the neighbor's yard, the gate over there or whatnot, and when someone crosses in to that box, it sets it, it, you're able to program a trigger that will turn on the back floodlights 
or the ground lights. And this is the single most effective deterrent I've ever seen implemented into home security. I lost my guru gurus when I, when I saw this on um, Instagram. It was just a little video. And I showed my wife. She didn't care. I showed a lot of other people that didn't care. And then I showed some security people, and they were like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, no, you don't get it, man. Security's in my blood, bro. This is awesome. And uh, using this element of surprise and being able to program AI to convince an intruder that they have been caught and someone else is present, I have to believe that that 39% cut into crime that you have from stationary lighting um, would jump maybe even twofold because you put in the mind of the intruder or of the perpetrator that someone just clicked the light on. No one's out there breaking into a home and a light clicks on and thinks, eh, it's just AI, unless they are positive that you're on vacation or they've done their research. But just the average home burglar um, is going to think that you clicked the light on. So they're going to think that they're seen. They can't see you. It does this whole criminology effect in the mind, and uh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So clearly we see the value and the implementation. Uh, let's look at some details. Let, let, let's kind of break it down. And some of this, most of this, is coming out of the As Is uh, Principles of Security book. It's like a textbook, but um, it's something that you should probably have on your desk or in your little you know, library or whatnot because you can go back to it and hit it and relearn and relearn and hit this and hit that when it comes to security design or implementation. Now look. Lighting comes in six different categories when we're dealing with security. The first is a street light. It's like a downward projection, a circular illumination. It's what you see, um, you know, on on corners of of corner properties, stuff like that. The next is you have a searchlight. It's narrow. It's a high intensity beam. Um, it can sometimes be stationary or it can be uh, active that you can move it if, if you need to. Uh, also the floodlight, it's medium to wide beam on a general area. It's very popular in um, resi and commercial. This is something that just is, kind of gives you this flood of light to, to and probably, probably the most, um, the most used light out there when it comes to just implementing security. Um, also you have what's called a Fresnel. It's a narrow horizontal beam. Now, this can be projected to highlight an intruder uh, while leaving security personnel concealed, kind of like a, at a fence boundary or at an industrial site. Uh, it pushes this really big horizontal beam of light out, and you can't see past it. And uh, that, that's one thing that kind of plays into maybe it deters, detects, and denies uh, because you get to there and there's some denial there because you can't see past this wave of light. And it, it'll either cause you to maybe run or freeze or you're psycho and you run towards it yelling for Isengard. Um, the other is high mast lighting. So like in a parking lot, these are usually 70 to 150 feet up. They, they pump down light. And that, that's something that people will usually put out farther from the building, but as kind of this barrier as you're coming up to the building uh, as, as, as a light barrier. So let's talk about some of the types of lighting, okay? So you have incandescent lights, which we've all heard of, but these are high in cost and they have a really short lifespan. So you, you'll see them out there because they, they were kind of the starting point of using really big bright lights in urban styles and urban development, but we quickly moved on, and uh, but you'll still find them. To halogen and quartz halogen, uh, it's an incandescent bulb, but they filled it with halogen, or literally the gas, and it immediately became about 25% more efficient. Um, and then you move to fluorescent, where they develop 
twice the light for less than half the heat of an incandescent. Uh, not high levels of light output, though. So they kind of cut down on that heat because lights can get really hot. They can melt their enclosures and stuff like that, and that can become dangerous. But uh, fluorescent doesn't do that, but you don't get as much light output. Then you get mercury vapor. They have a really long life, but really poor color rendition for surveillance systems. They kind of cast like a bluish light, and that's it really doesn't help when you're looking back on security cameras to know maybe what color the perp was wearing or what car they were in, uh, what color the car was in. So that that's not usually suggested. And then you have metal halide, very popular. Um, they're the most expensive to install and maintain, but they put out kind of daylight conditions and they work really well with surveillance. Uh, clearly they're the, what they use in stadium settings, but you'll find them in uh, commercial. You also have high-pressure sodium, uh, also very popular, but particular quality of light helps the human eye kind of see greater detail from farther away. So these, this is why this became popular very quick, because uh, from farther away, you can really make out uh, an image. And they're energy efficient, and they have a long life. They do have a little bit of poor color rendition, but you'll see them a lot in parking lots, uh, as, on street lamps. You'll see them in parking garages, stuff like that. You also have low-pressure sodium, so that's high-pressure. Low-pressure sodium is more efficient, but pricey, and the same kind of color rendition comes out of both sodium lights, so to pay more to not really get a better quality of light is just not something that you see very often, so that's why people stick to the high-pressure. You'll also get uh, LED, light-emitting diodes, and that's what we've kind of talked about, LEDs that are cutting wattage so that you can power them over PoE. They have a long life. They're efficient. They're easy to maintain. Um, they're not natural lighting, and they can cause eye strain at night. Uh, overall, they can also maybe mess up your biological systems, as in your circadian rhythm. I'm kind of a hippie outside of this, so that would matter to me, but it makes a lot of sense why you would use this in security or why you would use this on outside of the building. Um, they're very cost-effective. They live for very long, and they put out a, a good amount of light. And then you have uh, induction. It's long life, similar properties to fluorescent. It's just another kind of light bulb out there. Now, lighting has really three main security purposes. So the three purposes that it has is to create the psychological deterrent, as we've discussed earlier, to enable the detection through uh, maybe a guard or a person on site or a security camera, and for that security camera to enhance the capabilities of it. Um, Cameras and their natural surveillance, being able to see better quality colors, being able to get a better image, to have a better memory or uh, a higher quality recording. Um, those are all things that really are the purposes of lightings, or of putting lighting into your security element. Sorry. Without good lighting, you impair the video surveillance and the natural surveillance systems that are in place. So from as-is principles of security, um, they say different light sources produce different qualities of light. Most SEPTED practitioners prefer metal halide lamps because they last about 20,000 hours and accurately reprodu reproduce the colors of cars, clothes, and people. Low-pressure sodium vapor lamps typically last about 50,000 hours and are more energy efficient, but the poor color rendition makes them kind of unsatisfactory for capturing crime scene details. High-pressure sodium vapor lamps and mercury vapor lamps are less expensive than metal halide lamps, but they don't last as long and they do not render those colors very well. There is no right answer for all facilities. 
The SEPTED approach, crime prevention through environmental design approach, allows for diversity in lighting based on the risk threat assessment and the desired user experience. Those always have to play into it. So you can deep dive into this subject more from the reflection of different textures like asphalt or grass or what the optimum lighting situations are for perimeter fencing, site landscaping, uh, building facade, parking structures, and more. There are specific foot candle measurements that are ideal for every situation and even color rendition indexes for varying lamp types. I mean, you can get real nerdy on it real quick. But I want to talk about one more thing with lighting before we bounce out of here, and that is just mood. And when I say mood, I know you're thinking, bah, nah, 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 if I could have a time, uh, uh, I don't know what I was saying. But mood lighting is actually crucial in what you're trying to accomplish for the customer. Corrected color temperature, which is CCT, measures the warmth or coolness of light. The measurement is in Kelvin, which is a centigrade uh, absolute measurement, and you, you kind of start at this this wave of three to five thousand. So, five thousand uh, is a daylight. Five thousand Kelvin is a daylight produced by fluorescent. It's like daylight produced by fluorescent mercury vapor, metal halide. You also get forty-one thousand Kelvin, which is a cool temperature light. Out of these three types of lights, uh, you get cool light like conference rooms classrooms, hospital offices, neat, clean, and efficient is kind of the mood that it gives you when you're in cool light. When you're in daylight, this is like galleries, museums, jewelry stores. It's bright, it's clean, it's exacting the color that you're in. And then you have like 3,000 Kelvin, which you'll find in restaurants, hotel lobbies, some offices and libraries because it comes with a warmer, friendlier, intimate, and personal tone. And this is where you'll see incandescent and uh, halogen lighting. Now, this might mean nothing to you, and you were like, thanks for telling me that, and you never want to think about it again. That's totally okay. Uh, I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next week. But now, why this will matter in the security and design of physical protection systems is crucial. You, as a security professional, are telling a story with your system, and this is kind of uh, entrepreneurial, a little hippy-dippy, a little like coffee fireside chat, but it does come back to this. Okay, you're telling a story and what is presented from the outside looking in will tell a story to everyone who looks in. So an office building is telling a different story than a restaurant and a small business is telling a story. From the hardware to the lighting, you can design the psychology through environment, er, through environmental criminology. If you walk into places, you'll notice that high end upscales don't want to see screw heads. They want hardware where they don't see any screws, and they really don't want to see the hardware, but if they have to, it has to look pretty. They'll also come with when you put this lighting in, and or when you put this lighting in, what is it telling my customers? Is it telling my customers that, you know, they're not supposed to be comfy and cozy here because this business needs comfy and cozy? So you might have a light that is a security measure that comes on as daylight, to really brighten and really exact the color and make somebody feel like they're in a clean, uh, noticeable environment. But I don't need that light on through the night because I want people to drive by and look into my restaurant and see warm, cool, or I'm sorry, warm, comfy, cozy lighting because I want them to think, ah, I want to go there. So it really does matter. 
and it really depends on what your customer's experience needs to be. Because if you're in an office and you need people to be awake, or you're in an office and you want people from the outside looking in to think, you know what, someone's awake in there, then you put in 5,000 Kelvin lighting. All that to say, what does it say to your customer? What does it say to your competitor? What does it say to the employee? What does it say to the world? And what does it say to your reputation that you're willing to think of this stuff and give this opportunity to the customer? Hey, listen, this is... That's it. That's it (laughs) for this week's security today. Look, I hope you're blaring this podcast while your windows are down. You're still telling everybody. You're like, oh my gosh, you're five episodes late. You got a a couple hours to crank these out and get caught up, man, because you got to listen to this. And tell all your fellow security friends, your cat, your dog, about this podcast. And then remember to follow this podcast on Insta at Security Today Podcast. And then follow me, Uncle Bear, B-A-E-R underscore. And then while you're at it, Go over to at Low Voltage Nation on Instagram. You got to follow them, look through their posts, kind of get in touch with it, uh, start feeling the vibes, and then reach out to them on DM about how you can get involved. And uh, after following them, go ahead, type Low Voltage Nation into your search bar of your podcast platform and subscribe to them as well because they're pumping podcasts out and it's just more content to get to that closer 10,000 hours of you mastering your craft. You will be a better integrator today and you will be a... uh, exactly what that customer needs so do that listen this community will not build itself so we have to get involved and we have to add what we can i'm uncle bear and i'm gonna see you next time on security today so keep the lights on baby extra bright we want y'all to see this